don't know this battle. This was the siege of Mandalore. We had parted ways by now. Looks intense. It was. You did well. You're a warrior now, as I trained you to be. Is that all? Ahsoka, within you will be everything I am. All the knowledge I possess. Just as I inherited knowledge from my master, and he from his. You are part of a legacy. But my part of that legacy is one of death and war. But you're more than that. Because I'm more than that. You are more, Anakin. But more powerful and dangerous than anyone realized. Is that what this is about? If I am everything you are... You've learned nothing. Don't say that. Back to the beginning. Welcome everyone from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone. So pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt. Here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast, part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. This is episode number 543, The Jedi, The Scoundrel, and The Artist. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, The Scoundrel and The Artist to my Jedi, we've got Carl LeClaire and Joe Hogan. Uh, so, Joe, are you the artist or the scoundrel? Uh, yes. <laughs> Figured. <laughs> You guys, the band's back together. <laughs> Woo! Well, for the first doing? for the first time in a while, because uh, Joe, I love having you on, but so many times it's because you're you're doing me the courtesy of being my guest co-host when <laughs> when Jason isn't able to make it. I I am the lesser Jason. It's okay. <laughs> I think I, I think, can do impressions too. Oh boy. <laughs> That was my impression said, of the Queen of England. <laughs> How'd I do? Spot on. Spot on. Awesome. He said he can do impressions. He didn't say he could do good impressions. I, did, I made no promises of the quality. <laughs> oh, man. Joe, we're so freaking pumped to have you back on. Um, legendary Star Wars artist, Joe Hogan, we might add. Yes, made that. famous by all of the Wampus Lair art that you have exactly. done over the yeah. years. That's, that makes more sense. That's probably where everybody is drawn to him. That, <laughs> Oh, Joe, you just put out some, I mean, you've cheapers the last couple of years, you've put out some great prints over on Acme and uh, you just put out a couple of really incredible ones just what, two weeks ago or last week? Uh, a little less than two weeks. Yeah, it was, it was the Thursday before last Thursday. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So we're here to just kind of talk about these prints and the the stories that are kind of wrapped around those prints so joe you did a bad batch print and two prints from the new ahsoka series uh which are awesome and we're going to talk about all of them in detail i've got some i've got some questions for you and i'm sure you know jason we were talking about this before before recording i'm sure we'll find some tauntaun trails to go down 
um, oh, along the way because uh, <laughs> you can't talk about a Bad Batch print and not talk about the upcoming season and same with Ahsoka. So uh, I'm sure we'll have. A- I, we're, wait a minute. We're talking about stupid art. I thought we were going to talk about the Ghostbusters Frozen Empire trailer. <laughs> That's why I came on. I think I was lied to. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got you. Yes. I sure. Oh, um, thank God. Let me thank just goodness. go watch that real quick first. Okay. And then you talk about there you it. go. All right. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, oh, gee. I would love to talk about that, but uh, but we'll do that some other time. <laughs> um, but uh, before we oh, get it, and uh, for mm. for everybody listening, uh, all of the prints that we're talking about today, we're going to have linked in the description and stuff like that. So go take a look at them. At the very least, you will enjoy looking at them. Uh, but if you are so inclined to have Star Wars art in your home, uh, we'll also link them to you know, link you to the store so you can go buy these prints uh, and and send Joe a few shekels for them. Um, because that's all he makes off of these things, I'm sure. I mean, I'm a nerd, <laughs> so that's pretty much how it goes. <laughs> but thank you guys. Thank you guys for the love. Uh, thank you guys for the compliments that I have a difficult time accepting because of self-esteem issues. And that's that's the whole thing above everybody's pay grade in terms of me hating accepting compliments. But I appreciate them regardless. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about the process and whatever other questions you guys may have about them. Uh, good because we got it's gonna some. Be the hardest gonna be the hardest questions you've ever got i'm Joe. ready baby let's do it <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness well before before we dive into the the details of your your prince show just wanted to remind folks that uh next week we'll be celebrating podcast day um and this is i think it's the fourth yeah fourth annual star wars podcast day um on february the 7th and it's uh recognizing 25 years of star Wars podcasting. So our friend Daniel, who's who was actually on the show for our 500th episode, Jason Daniel's wonderful and has been doing lots and lots of work collecting kind of the history of all the star Wars podcasts that have ever existed all the way back to 25 years ago in 1999. Um, And Daniel has been responsible for putting on podcast day for the last four years. Um, And you can follow him at uh, star Wars pod day on all the social media networks. Um, but yeah, again, if you're interested in a little bit more in the history of Star Wars podcast, we'd recommend checking out episode 500 of ours where Daniel joined us and talked more extensively about the work that he's done. Um, but yeah, so we're excited to participate in that next week. Um, but I will I will actually be out of town next week. So we thought it'd be really fun to celebrate Star Wars podcast day by re-releasing one of our favorite episodes we've ever done, which was when we had Matthew Stover on. Uh, back in 2020 to talk about the Revenge of the Sith novel. If you are a Wampusler listener, um, you've definitely heard us talk about that novel at least a few times. We both love it quite intensely, myself especially. Uh, and when we had Matthew Stover join us a couple of years ago to to specifically talk about the book, it was probably the highlight of my podcast career and no shade on anybody else who's ever joined us but i my love of yeah, that book geez, Carl, yeah sorry right joe. here sorry joe and right here <laughs> oh man nobody's gonna ever come on our show again um <laughs> but that said uh we will be re-releasing that to kind of celebrate podcast day next week so we hope you'll if you've never heard that episode before it'll be nice and fresh in your feeds for you um so, yeah, hopefully you'll come back for that. 
It'll be great. And I I just wish everybody could see the Carl's expression that he had the entire time we were recording that episode um, on an audio podcast. I know that's not possible, but he was pretty much in awe the entire time uh, we were talking to uh, Mr. Stover. So it was uh, it was a really great recording session. I do. St- I still remember uh, sitting and recording that. Yeah. And that, <laughs> oh, gosh, having him on just remembering it brings warm feelings to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, so, uh, you know, so going back into this, this art of yours, Joe, and if you are a, a relatively new listener to the Wampus Lair, and maybe you found us because we're now part of the Thunderquack family, which Joe, you've got quite a footprint over there. Um, you've been doing the force perspective show with, with Mike. And, uh, I know you did rebels. You've been doing rebel cells with him as well, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so you are no stranger to Thunderquack. Um, if, if you're just new to us in general, Joe is a dear friend of ours, um, and, uh, has designed all of our logos over the years. Um, always so grateful for that. But yeah, like I said, Joe just put out a couple of new star Wars prints and, uh, we thought it'd be really fun to talk about them. And, and Joe, I'm going to kind of just talk about them in kind of their canonical order and look first at your bad batch, print uh titled brother against brother um again as jason insinuated earlier we are talking about art prints on a audio (laughs) podcast um so but like jason said we will have links to the to the images um so that you can look along and like jason said as well potentially even add it to your home um but uh that said joe could you just give a brief overview of what uh brother against brother is is kind of capturing yeah, sure. So it's a, um, I guess the word would be uh, a, a kind of a vertical piece where it's just, it's very long, right? It's very tall. It's uh, 12 inches wide, 36 inches tall. Um, and I, my background is uh, doing comic book art. So that's where I got my degree and kind of got my start. And um, I decided, oh, it would be kind of cool if I just kind of put together a bunch of panels Um doing a little bit of storytelling from the Bad Batch, mostly season two, and just kind of depicting all of my favorite clones that either debuted or returned in that season. So uh, going from top to bottom, I have Scorch from, of course, Republic Commando, uh, who is one of the uh, main villains of season two, with some of his uh, other Republic Commandos, although I guess they're Imperial Commandos now, right? Um, True. We've got... Captain Hauser, uh, uh, Commander Wilco. We've got the Red Commander, the Shock Trooper Commander, who was in the very, very first episode of The Bad Batch. He doesn't actually have a name. Uh, Captain Rex. We've got Commander Cody looking at that big um, memorial on Coruscant, saying, showing all of the names of the uh, deceased clone troopers in Orabesh. Uh, we've got the mysterious... Sniper clone who we never really learned much about the uh, the the evil guy who was shooting at Senator Chuchi and and her contact and the other clone and uh, then we've got of course the Bad Batch themselves we've got Echo Hunter Omega Wrecker and Tech in some uh, some neat little vertical panels and uh, then we've got uh, Crosshair carrying Commander Mayday through the snow in that amazing uh, episode that they had together. And then on the very bottom, we have Gregor Nemec and fireball for when they uh, actually 
sprung a bunch of the clones off of that prison transport, including including Captain Hauser. Um, so I did the whole thing, basically in twelve colors, and some of them are mixed together a little a little bit just to kind of cheat, but it's all one you know uh, uniform color palette. And uh, yeah, so this is actually also a, a companion piece to another long form one that I did of my favorite clones from the Clone War series. So if you put these two together, this one and and that original one for the Republic, uh, that is, they they look pretty good together. People seem pretty happy with it. So, man, it is such a, uh, Joe. It's just a, another freaking classic Joe print, um, in all the right ways. I I I mean, my favorite style of what you do is like you just said. You know, I mean, your your background is in comic book art and. Um, you know, as you've shared over the years, even just as a guest on the show here, you know, Clone Wars is particularly the Tartakovsky series and then even the future series. Clone Wars is such an important part of your Star Wars fandom. Um, so I love that you can like continue that style with a print like this for Bad Batch. Um, but what I'm most curious about, Joe, is why did you choose what you chose to be on there, right? I mean, you obviously have certainly just some character shots, but you also have particular scenes like you, you know, you mentioned uh, particular moments. Why did you land on the ones you landed on? So if I'm being blatantly honest, this entire thing is because I wanted to do a Republic commando print. And I knew the only way I would be able to do a scorch focused one is if I uh, basically made a print with every clone. Because <laughs> they were going to be like, Scorch, what? We don't want to make a print of this. So Ac- Acme can be very selective, and I understand why. Because obviously they want to um, focus on making prints that would uh, appeal to a larger audience and, and you know, hopefully sell well. I, you know, they're a business, and I understand that. No, Absolutely no shade on that. Um, but this is this has kind of always been my mentality with, I want to do this character what compromises do I have to make in order to get away with that? So if <laughs> when you are looking at this print, Scorch is huge. Like, even though he's not that important this season, he is enormous. And and that's why, because I just really wanted to do a Scorch print. Um, <laughs> so that's the honest answer. But if I'm going to give you the uh, more artistic answer, I mean, honestly, it's really just my favorite moments from, mm. from especially season two, right? Uh, Crosshair kind of having his... Um, you know, little star tour redemption arc with Mayday was really amazing. So, you know, I wanted to have uh, the two of them together. Um, I had to include the Bad Batch, so I wanted to do something that wasn't um, wasn't something that we had seen a lot. So I thought it would be kind of neat. You know, like you mentioned, my well, I also mentioned my comic background. So a lot of the arrangements were done. The panel arrangements and sizings were chosen. Because, like, the more variance a page and the panels have and the, and the way things are juxtaposed, the more interesting it is to look at, right? So I tried to put the panels together in a way that your eye would flow from top to bottom, left to right, really easily. At least I hope it does. Um, so, like, if you'll notice the uh, in the sniper panel... Uh, it has a bunch of uh, blaster fire, and I chose that because, okay, well, if you're looking at Rex, your eye is then going to follow those lasers down the laser and down the the sniper rifle and then go to Echo, right? And then you're going to go down Echo. You're going to see 
Hunter's uh, knife going up, and so then you're going to go up towards him. His arm goes down towards Omega. You're going to follow Omega down, and then you're going to go up to to Tech and Wrecker, and then you're you're free to move down the rest of the page towards the rest of it. So uh, I, I try to make, especially the panels that I do, I try to have things moving in a direction that just helps helps your eye flow um it's not always perfect like i do think um some spots it, it might get a little bit stuck but that's just kind of the nature of the beast like sometimes you have to sacrifice that in order to uh you know fit everything that you want to fit in um but yeah i mean for the most part these are just my favorite characters my favorite scenes and uh yeah that's, that's pretty much it a lot of times so, the answer is is just it looks cool. I really like it, and it works well. You know? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so, uh, was there any scene in particular that you really wanted to put in the print, but it just ended up not working? Um, I don't think so. I was pretty stubborn with this one, honestly. Okay. I mean, if if I had more space, I probably would have been more scene oriented on the Bad Batch themselves because. They're pretty much almost the only characters on here that aren't a scene from the show, right? Like it's it's mm-hmm. it's they're just having their like cool heroic poses and like looking really neat. And you know, I understand it's it's they're all from their show, but for me, the the point of this print was to celebrate all of the clones, not just the Bad Batch. So I did kind of make them kind of sit in the backseat on this one a little bit for their own show, which. I do feel a little guilty about, but I am working on a Bad Batch focus one that will hopefully come out in the next few months. We'll see how it goes. Well, didn't you also do a Bad Batch print specifically for Celebration not too long ago? Yeah, Celebration 2020 is actually my my second print ever, I think, technically. I, I'm, I'm fuzzy on what the release schedules were because sometimes you do something and it comes out later or before, or, um, you know, stuff gets moved around and Celebration is a totally different schedule than acme schedule um but yeah i i had done uh the original four bad batch members so uh echo and omega are not on that print because that one was based off of their first appearance the very first episode in season seven and then um when that print was chosen i found out a day later or two days later they announced the bad batch show so i was like oh that's neat. That was good timing. And then I realized, well, it wasn't really good timing. It was that I submitted a print that it was probably chosen because I was lucky enough that they were already making the show. Um, <laughs> so I think it just worked out really nicely for me. But yeah, so technically I don't have a full Bad Batch print, um, but I I am probably going to wait until season three. I have some ideas that I started together, but I would like to watch season three and then I'll put together my usual pitch for uh, for Acme. And then uh, go from there. Nice. And um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think the, the portion of this print, Joe, that I that I enjoy the most is definitely um, the panel of uh, Crosshair carrying. Oh, my gosh. What's his name again? Mayday. 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 Thank you. Um, yeah, I love I mean, that was one of I think that was one of the best episodes of both seasons. Um, and I, I, for one, like was getting kind of like whatever about <laughs> Crosshair. I'm like, mm. yeah, he's just. He's the villain who wants to choose to be a villain. Cool. I'm not really invested in this story until that episode. And I was like, oh, man, that was so good. And it also like retrospectively makes me appreciate Crosshair even more yeah. um, because right. Like what seems to be most important to that character is loyalty and he's loyal 
to the system that created him more than the brothers um, is what it seems like, right? Because he chooses to step away from the rest of the Bad Batch because they're falling out of line. Good soldiers follow orders, right? Mm. Um, And then there's an episode like that where he realizes finally that his brothers are being literally cast aside and he finally makes the choice to, you know, stand up for them, uh, which, which I love. It's so good. So I'm really glad you put that in there. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I'm sorry. I'll say, I, I will say my favorite panel is, uh, and it, it might be one of my favorite shots in the entire show, just cause it's so beautiful. Um, is commander Cody just standing by himself in front of that monument. Mm. It's so impactful. So I, I, and I love how every all of the clones that you have in this this uh, print are are big or they're you know zoomed in you know just you know kind of just to the head and shoulders or or something like that or they're in some sort of action pose. But the panel that you've got Commander Cody in, he's a lot smaller than everything else, um, and that panel is compared to the rest of them is fairly quiet, and it yeah. really kind of puts him all alone like he was in that episode uh and i love it i love it so much thanks man uh and believe it or not that actually was a a deliberate choice you know i mentioned before that some of these panels your eye just kind of like stops and gets stuck on and that was a deliberate choice to have that there because that was a very poignant moment right like that was a very important part of understanding you know, something's going on in Cody's head in that scene. And then when he leaves at the end of the episode, it's a little bit more apparent of, um, you know, the bigger picture that he is experiencing. And uh fun fact about uh, that scene and all of that Aurabesh, um, Carl, I might have actually shared this story with you already. But um, when I originally pitched it and uh, Lucasfilm first saw it, the only notes they had for me that they wanted me to revise was that the Arabesh that I had put in was was not totally accurate to what was in the episode. So they sent me some reference and they asked me to uh, actually include the exact Arabesh. And, you know, I I have no problem with doing that. I mean, if it's going to make it more authentic and, and they it's something that they care about, I'm happy to do it. But the problem is I don't read Arabesh. Mm. So... <laughs> My friend and friend of the show, uh, Jazz Kopachek Rathor, oh, was yeah. very kind enough to sit with me over Discord for about an hour and a half and translate each line of Orabesh. Now, mind you, there's 91 lines of Orabesh. And what we didn't know when we started was that the Orabesh on that wall is all gibberish. Those are not really oh. names. Oh. They're supposed to be names. They're supposed to be names of clones. But it's literally like someone just mashed the keyboard over and over and over. A, A, S, B, like, you know what I mean? Like, just mashing letters together. And it's all gibberish. It doesn't actually say anything. Um, so, <laughs> uh, poor Jazz translated 91 lines of gibberish for me. Um <laughs> And it, it took us, like I said, about an hour and a half. And I, I promised him, okay, when when I get this artist proof, I will I will get you, you get number one for helping me out with that. So so my number <laughs> oh, one awesome. is 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 promised to oh. Jazz for that. So thank you, Jazz, for uh, your help with that very very silly afternoon 
of uh, <laughs> hanging out together. And like I checked it, it it, it matched. He Jazz was right. Wow. It, so line wait, by line. So Joe, when you when you had originally done it before their before their notes were given, did you pick mm-hmm. names of particular clones or? So I originally I was I just um was trying to match it by drawing it. So the Orabesh wasn't mm. like perfect. And then okay. some of them, I was just like, oh, I'm just going to put some Easter eggs in. Nice. So I put like a couple of my friends names. I put my fiance's name. I just, you know, I just was just kind of trying to uh, fill the space. Um, and I think that's, that's why Lucasfilm caught it. We're like, no, 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 no. Joe Hogan is not going to be a deceased <laughs> clone from the <laughs> Nice try, buddy. And I was like, all right, well, it was worth a shot. Um, but then once I did it, I was like, this is literally gibberish. Why can't I be on this wall? Yeah. But you know, whatever. or at least like, let you put like names. Of, I mean, gosh, like that, you know, your, your first celebration print, you know, Django's finest, um, you know, you, you literally knew every single clone you put on there. Whereas oh, like, yeah. I don't know. I still don't know almost any clone names. I mean, I, I probably mm-hmm. know five or six. Um, but that said, like, why couldn't, you know, I mean, you're somebody who knows your clones. Like, why not let you I put know, their man. names on there? That's okay. That's no. fine. Oh, well, well, that's... most of those clones are alive anyway. So I wouldn't want to. Oh, okay. Them. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, although the empire may not know that. Right. True. Um, that is true. But yeah, but, you know, to your point, Jason, I also I was going to say that's that's my second favorite part of the the print is in right. Clearly that scene when they made that scene for us in season two, it's meant to be an homage to the Vietnam Memorial in D.C. Right. Right. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's so beautiful and haunting. And, um, you know, I think just in general, um, one of the things I enjoyed so, so much in season two of, of Bad Batch is again like I, I feel like something that Bad Batch has done that that I really enjoy is that we of course get the personal story of the Bad Batch crew right it's 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 ultimately their personal small story but kind of the grand story that we're getting you know sprinklings of throughout the series is you know the the real creation of the Empire and the phasing out of the clones and that's yeah. a story I never knew I really wanted. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of fans that are really excited because they did really want it, um, but I'm really enjoying it. And I think, you know, a scene like that, it's, it's, I think it's kind of this, this bitterness, the bitter truth about what the clones who survived are starting to realize, which is they were just tools, um, you know, made to be cast aside. So, right. Like we talk about how, you know, so all technology these days and age, right. It's planned obsolescence. Imagine being a, human person and feeling that you're just planned obsolescence, right? Like, ugh, so sad. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Before we, before we move on from bad batch, uh, I've got a question that I want to pose to you. That's a speculation for season three. Oh, please. Um, hit me. Do we think Senator Chuchi survives the season? Mm. Oh God, there is a question. Sorry. Gosh. Right. I don't, I don't want to, uh, no, you're fine. You're fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> I hope so. I I love her even more because she's a, a clone fan like me. She loves her clones. Um, hmm. I don't think it looks good for her. I don't. I don't think it looks good for her either. That's a great question. I really. She she is a very vocal voice. I mean, the other uh, assassin was after her. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I I think it's gonna be bad news bears for her. <laughs> yeah. I think you're right. They're not going to let yeah. somebody that vocal 
and vocally in opposition to the reign of Palpatine walk around in the, the light of day. They'll use her right. as example. Exactly. Uh, yeah, ah. Absolutely. And, and then he'll come out and give sort of a very... Um, Senator Chuchi well, was threatening my life. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> the, the attempt on my empire has left me scarred and deformed emotionally. Uh, <laughs> I'm sad. <laughs> oh my god! No, yeah, so, I, I, I don't think it looks good. I hope they find a way to to keep her alive and maybe get her out of dodge, but. If she stays in the Senate too much longer, that pod she's in is going to blow up in the middle of of a Senate hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a matter of time. Um, ah. So, the, so the question I'd like to pose to to both of you and uh, and to myself, uh, but is there <laughs> is there any particular um, hope or expectation for you? about how the show might end, right? We know this is the series finale and the final, you know, season three is going to be the last season. How would you like, um, you know, the story to wrap up? What would be like kind of your ideal for it? Maybe not, you know, all the particulars need to happen, but the, the here's what, how you would like it to end. And again, with, with that sense of like, it doesn't need to happen this way, but this is kind of how you'd like it to go. Um, what about for you, Joe? Like, how would you like this to kind of wrap itself up? And I want a happy storybook ending we're not getting that at all like <laughs> all of these guys are gonna die like, it's like nobody's around other than rex wolf who we know is coming because he's in the trailer and um and gregor right so i mean yeah maybe the bad batch gets out okay uh i'm i'm convinced that tech is still alive i'm convinced that he's that um assassin guy that we've only seen in the cool new helmet mm. i'm convinced he's the winter soldier basically from marvel i think fee is going to be the one to bring him back because why have all of those why set up that romance for no reason mm. i think she's going to kind of bring him back to his senses mm. and then and then i think everyone's going to die after that we're <laughs> going to get some happy moments and then it's all going to get taken away from us um honestly i don't know i i really feel like we're going to lose a huge portion of all of our good guy clones um going to be some kind of clone uh uprising right like the empire is going to squash it because they're just not around later and uh a few lucky people will escape hopefully omega escapes um yeah I, that's what i think we're going to get i it's not what i want but i'm mm. sure Whatever we get, they're going to do it really well, and it's going to be awesome and and emotionally taxing and mm. awesome. What about you, Jason? <laughs> oh, man. I It's hard for me to to sit here and say what, what I would love to see, what I, what I would expect out of this show, because this is a show I didn't expect to happen, yeah. and I've been pleasantly surprised at every step they have taken. Um, so I don't have too many expectations. However, I would love it if Omega and her boys get to retire to the uh, the island planet that, that they were on Abu. here in season two. Abu, yes. Yeah. Abu. Um, and hide away for the rest of their days and she can live life as a normal kid. Um, but who knows, you know, if she will even be a normal kid at the end of this. She's in Mount Tantus right now. So, yeah. like, 
I, I don't know. It, like there's there's parts of me that I, I would like a happy ending for her and maybe at least two or three of the Bad Batch. I don't think all of the Bad Batch are surviving. Yeah. Um, my guess is Crosshair is going to bite it uh, in some heroic sacrifice. Mm. Uh, if Tech comes back, that would be great. I'm not expecting him to. Um, I think Wrecker makes it out and Hunter's on the fence. Yeah. Like he might, he might sacrifice himself to make sure Omega gets out. Um, what about Echo? He, Echo, Echo, I could see get, going, uh, getting out. Um, okay. He's, he kind of gets attached to, to Rex and a lot of these things. So mm-hmm. I think, I think he gets out. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't see all of the Bad Batch making it out of the season alive, unfortunately. Um, I, I, I my prediction is uh, Crosshair definitely, and Hunter's on the fence mm. uh, whether or not he makes it out. So, hmm. what about you, Carl? Well, I don't want to make predictions about uh, where I think they'll actually go with it because. I think you both are kind of on the right train in that regard that I'm sure it won't be. I feel like it'll be a bittersweet ending, right? I don't know yeah. if it'll be like mm-hmm. an absolute yeah. gut punch. Like this is a, just an extremely sad, depressing ending. I don't, I don't know that they'll do that. That said, um, I don't want to think about how sad or dark they may make it. Um, because my honest hope is that they actually all just get to be together on Pabu. And right, I think something Rebels did kind of smartly was, I mean, yeah, it really sucked losing Kanan, um, but like having Ezra get taken off to a distant galaxy and, you know, and then we kind of just underwrite that like Hera and Sabine and Zeb get stay involved with the, re, you know, the rebellion and whatnot. So, um, you know, uh, J- uh, Jason, a good friend of ours and a friend of the show, Jim Capron, who we haven't had on in a while, but, you know, Jim would always say that, you know, Star Wars needs to get over the idea that just because somebody's not in something in the future means they have to die. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and, and creative storytelling should actually be able to find ways around that always being the only solution. So with that in mind, my hope and I don't know if it'll be exactly it, but my hope is that they'll all be together. Um, I honestly still I have felt all along that tech is, in fact, dead and I only want him to stay dead because Star Wars really sucks at keeping people dead. Um, and not that I want them to be dead, but it's just like, my God, can somebody actually not be alive that you've killed before? Um, so we didn't see his body, man. Right. Oh, no I know. There's yeah. no way. Yeah. I mean, if, no I mean, if, here's the thing is all of this is, you know, this and the, the glimpse we got of Asajj uh, in the trailer that, this is all involving Mount Tantus, which yeah. even in the expanded universe mm. yeah, was a about place clones. for cloning. Sure. Yeah. So we could get clones of all of these people. We could get the Bad Batch fighting themselves. Oh, neat. Like a video game. I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. But anyway, my, uh, you know, I was... I just want it to be a happy ending. I want them to end up on Pabu and um, I want Senator Chuchi to actually make it out alive too. Um, and she is kind of working behind the scenes with, you know, the likes of Rex. Rex will set it up. He'll go back to the rebellion and, um, uh, you know, they'll get to live a happy life together. And 
they'll be doing something to further the cause of good without it having to necessarily be active members of the Rebel Alliance. Uh, again, I think it's it's room for doing something creative storytelling wise. So I'm hoping it's not just like, oh, they all die. Um, because I feel like that's just yes. that's just like a cheap shot. <laughs> um, and uh, so that's where I'm hoping they'll go. And but to to the point of of um, tech being alive again, I like your I, I, I mean, I love what you just said, Joe. I mean, if he is, in fact, somehow brought back and um, what's his girlfriend's name again? Uh, Fee. Fee. Yeah. I, I love that idea, though, of her like bringing him back yeah. into the fold. I, I would love that. Um, so yeah, that's what, I mean, that's how I'm hoping. I, I really, I really want a happy ending. So yeah, Star Wars please. used to really care about that. Please. So <laughs> I need this. Yeah. These are my clone boys. I need happy endings for some of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, let's, uh, let's change gears here a bit. And you've got two incredible Ahsoka prints. Um, and, uh, you know, let's talk about the, this, Visions of the past, this incredible print you did. Uh, essentially, it's a kind of collaboration of the World Between Worlds episode, you know, part five, Shadow Warrior. You've got a young Ahsoka, you know, the one portrayed by Ariana. Um, I almost said Grande. Um, but, uh, Ari- Ariana Greenblatt. Um, uh, yeah. So, again, like you kind of did with uh, Brother Against Brother, you know. So what is what is going on in the Visions of the Past print, Joe? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, you said it pretty well. It's just kind of a montage of uh, what was going on during the World Between Worlds. Uh, uh, not quite flashback, right? Vision, I guess. I mean, it is called Visions of the Past. So, um, where uh, Ahsoka is basically kind of transported back to her Padawan self in the Clone Wars. She's still retaining her own, um, like, current day mind. I don't know the best way to, to describe the scene itself, but. She's still Ahsoka from today, right? She's Rosario, she's Rosario Dawson in present day Ahsoka, but she's back in the Siege of Mandalore and, you know, the, the, the battles on Teth before that and having conversations uh, with Anakin, but those conversations are actually in the now, so they aren't really flashbacks, they're visions, they're just, but she's just kind of taken back to where she was kind of learning these very difficult uh, Jedi lessons during the Clone Wars that she experienced and, and the relevance of those lessons uh, now in her life. So uh, the print itself just kind of depicts uh, live-action Captain Rex, uh, Hayden Christensen, or at least as close as I could get it to looking like Hayden Christensen, uh, young Ahsoka, and then, of course, two of her uh, uh, 332nd Battalion clone troopers flanking her on either side, and uh, Ahsoka is there with her her double lightsaber. She's in her Siege of Mandalore outfit, and uh, yeah, so that's that's the and, and of course the the world between worlds all the way on the top, just kind of like blending from top to bottom into that uh, into that vision from there. Mm. Yeah. Um, so kind of a similar question, Joe, to what I asked with the last print, but why this? You know, why 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 the decision to to depict this particular. Uh, montage and and this particular episode especially uh artistically yeah uh i mean it's no secret uh we mentioned it a few times how much i love clone wars how important clone wars is to me um so hyped about the ahsoka series i enjoyed it so much but when this episode dropped where we were seeing ahsoka as a teenager 
back in the Siege of Mandalore. We've got live-action Captain Rex. We've got Hayden Christensen is back as Anakin Skywalker. And we're just, we're seeing, you know, kind of seeing these moments that we um, experienced during Clone Wars, but we're seeing it, what it would almost look like as if it were, you know, as if we were there. I mean, there is that, like, hazy fog to kind of keep that dreamlike feel to it, but I imagine a battle like this, there is going to be a lot of smoke and fog and debris and, and all that stuff going everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was just, like, such a huge moment to me because, you know, not to get too philosophical about cartoons and, and you know, simplistic drawings, but when you look at a cartoon, right, when you when you look at that classic yellow smiley face, right, you got the two dots and the curved line, when you look at it, you see a smiley face, right? Your brain fills in all of the information and you assign to that artwork, oh, that's that's a human face, that's a smiley face. And our brains are really good at kind of filling in all the blanks. Cartoons are the same way. Things are very exaggerated, but they still make sense. Like as long as there's a consistency in the style, everything is going to make sense. You fill in the blanks. And in your head, even though you know it's a cartoon and like even when you think about, you know, for example, Clone Wars, you'll still think of it in the art style. But your brain is still filling in the blanks that, oh, yeah, they're the same characters like this Anakin that looks like a a wooden carving is supposed to be Hayden Christensen. And there's you, you have no problem uh, combining the two as a character, right? Because you're like, that's just kind of the way it works. But to see those scenes that are so important or so critical. And it, it, for me, the siege of Mandalore is peak pinnacle star Wars in general, like the best that clone Wars has ever put out classic George Lucas star Wars storytelling. Like this is Dave Filoni at his best. And to see that story arc without your brain, having to fill in the blanks was such a huge amazing awesome exciting moment for me as a huge fan of the clone wars so you know obviously i have a very cartoony art style in general so it it was definitely a challenge to try to get likenesses uh as you know for hayden and ariana and you know just in general it's it's a challenge for me to do live action uh actors as you know in my art so that should tell you just how excited I was about this scene, uh, <laughs> just to see it. And it's like, I, I don't care how difficult it is. I'm, I'm going to do my best to do it. And just seeing Captain Rex, like as an actual, like not CGI character too, it was just unreal. And, and young Ahsoka, she looks so good. She looked so good. And it also like kind of hammered home the point that Ahsoka was really young. Yeah. Yeah. During Clone Wars, right? Like this is a literal child running around and murdering people to for the security of the Republic because mm -hmm. the Jedi told her she had to. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It was just a very impactful moment for me. And that night I put the sketch together and immediately pitched it to Acme with a big tag in the uh, in the email subject line of huge spoilers. Make sure you watch Ahsoka before opening this to to my editor over at uh over at Acme because I wanted to make sure that he saw it before he he saw my concept, but I still wanted to get it in like ASAP so that they would let me do it before you know somebody got ahead of me. 
<laughs> and then they wouldn't <laughs> let me do it. You know what I mean? So, well, I'm glad you did uh, <laughs> because it's a great, it's a great uh, pr- print. So, uh, by the way, I, I do just have to back up just a second. Um, how how hard did you scream when Rex showed up on screen in live action for the first time? You probably heard me. From- <laughs> okay, that was you. Got it. Yeah, that was okay. me. The space-time <laughs> continuum was very shaky for about 10 seconds while I was uh, breaking the sound barrier. Um, while well, you you were in peak fangirl squee. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh- <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I lost it. Poor, my fiancé was watching it with me over Discord. So, poor... I You know, I was under the impression that... Uh, she heard it, but she said that only dogs could probably could hear that frequency that I was yelling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Um, yeah, uh, I, uh, uh, it's such, it's just such a good print. And, you know, like you said, Joe, likenesses have never been uh, a preference of yours in in how you do your art style in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways, but man, you really crushed it at, at getting Hayden and Ariana's likenesses so well. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I worked very hard because yeah. I really, I really wanted to get this print made. So yeah, they was, looked. It was a must. They looked so good. Um, yeah, I think uh, you know it's funny because you, you, obviously, Jason, you know, you and I just finished kind of doing a recap series of the Ahsoka show. You know, um, mm-hmm. so it's very fresh in my mind. And you know, I yes. I know from the get go the the. I loved the show right off the bat, mainly because of just that intro with Balin and Shin. Um, but the thing that took a while for me to buy into was Rosario as Ahsoka. Um, I mean, in the, her previous appearances in Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian, even there, I was like, ah, this just feels off. And then like her curmudgeon attitude, I was like, OK, I've seen this story now with Luke, Obi-Wan and now right. Ahsoka. Great. Yeah. Thanks. Um that said, by when we got this episode, Ariana is a perfect so cartoon good, to life, Ahsoka, <laughs> yes. Ashley Eckstein esque, and and right like by the end of the series, yes, I think Rosario is a really great matured version of Ahsoka. Um, but uh, I mean, like I like I said before on the show, I mean, just said a second ago, I mean, I just really. I've had it with this trope of like, Hey, remember those people you really loved? Well, now they're dejected and lost. Um, so, but that said, I mean, I loved, I love Ariana Greenblatt so much because she really felt like Ashley Eckstein come to life in this. Mm -hmm. And like you said, Joe, right. That just the shock of, Oh my gosh, a 14 year old girl is fighting in a war. Um, you know, yeah. Like she's a child. (laughs) She should not be in a war. Um, I mean, you're right. It's one of those things in a cartoon. It's easier to comprehend because right. it's a cartoon. It, it's something that it, it's it's they stretch reality because of their nature just a little bit and enough that it's OK. But then you, you you pluck it out and you put it in live action. You're like, this is this is weird. This is not right. This is wrong. And Ariana does a fantastic job of giving us, you know, all of that from a child's perspective. I love it. Yeah. Um, so I have a, 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 just a general question then to, to kind of think a little more deeply about, you know, inspired by this print of yours, Joe, with this episode, you know, shadow warrior, all of these flashbacks that we get, um, or, you know, all of these reincarnations, 
do you, do the two of you, so again, Joe, I'll ask you first. <laughs> um, did you have a favorite? I mean, it's, I feel like I know the answer to this now because of what you just said a moment ago, but was there a favorite part of that episode that really stood out to you? Like, I mean, there's so much goodness in there. If you had yeah. to pick one particular thing, whether it's a, you know, a quick moment or a person, whatever, what, what, what's your big highlight from that? Yeah, it was just the Siege of Mandalore. The whole Siege mm. of Mandalore sequence was just like, I mean, it was the excitement of realizing we were on Teth first was, mm-hmm. you know, I'm pretty, I don't remember. I'm pretty sure I stood up. Like, I, <laughs> I, I remember, I, you know, I always did when I watch this stuff, but like, I just remember being standing up and being like, I don't know how I got here. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's, you know, right in the beginning of the of the flashback stuff but like once we hit siege of mandalore man i was just like i was almost crying as silly as that is to admit like it was just like such a big deal for me um just to see that like this it was it just i felt so heard as a clone wars fan you know what i mean like it just yeah it it felt really i don't want to say vindicating because like it doesn't matter if, if other people like what you like, as long as you enjoy it and you're not hurting anyone, like who cares? But like to all the people who have said Clone Wars is a little baby show. Cause that's a cartoon. Like, okay, here it is in live action. Shut up. <laughs> like it, it looks amazing. It looks like way better than you, I, I could have ever imagined. And, and it was, I don't know, man, it was just, it was so awesome. I was so happy. And it, yeah. was this the pl- so again? I mean, you two are much more knowledgeable about Clone Wars than I. Is Teth the planet where uh, the part of the Clone Wars movie takes place? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was that was their first mission. The the most famous scene from that is when they're scaling the the plateau and the ATTEs go vertical. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Very cool. It's that planet. Very cool. Which, um, to, to quickly. Uh, go back to bad batch i don't know if you fellas noticed but that monastery is in the trailer of bad batch season three what no, i did not notice that i mean again yeah that, that I, yeah early on in in the trailer there is a quick shot of the monastery there's a little bit of a fire at the entrance and uh the shot right after it is the crashed shuttle just to give you a little context but yeah, it I'm is gonna... definitely that same monastery from Teth. So I'm wondering if that's where Ventress is hiding out. Ooh, I'm going to have to go back to that. Okay, yeah. thank you very much, <laughs> Joe. Um... Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, to, to answer your question, Carl, um, which part of this whole vision mm. sequence uh, was my favorite, um, I would say it's the opening part. When Ahsoka, it, it's realizes she's back on Teth and we're we're first dropped back into the Clone Wars, literally dropped back into the Clone Wars. Um, and then I just want to tie that in with the scene after their conversation um, at the, the makeshift medical unit mm. when Anakin mm-hmm. storms off back into combat and we get the explosion and he turns into Darth Vader for a mm. moment and then back to Anakin. Uh, just sort of tie, you know, the the opening mission with that moment. Uh, that's got to be my favorite uh, section of this. It's yeah. it, but it's all so good. And like you said, Joe, it's it's vindication isn't quite the word, 
but it it's so nice as someone who has developed you know such a, a huge uh Inve- who's invested so much into the Clone Wars to have it recognized in live action and not just sort of alluded to, but actually like honored and respected in a way that I didn't think we'd ever get. Yeah. So it was so perfect. And to bring it back to your print on it uh, before Carl, you answer your own question. <laughs> um, I do like, I just want to say, I love how you have, blended sort of the dust and smoke Mm. of the vision up into the uh, world between worlds up there at the top border. It's a really nice sort of uh, way to kind of keep everybody in that, Hey, this is all kind of a dream vision thing for the print, which is of course what this whole sequence was. So beautifully done. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Yeah, oof, that's a great uh, Jason. I'm glad you mentioned that because that is a really cool little artistic note. Um, yeah, that's so cool. Um, this is the so Clone do you, do you Wars have a favorite. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, I think. Gosh, I would say it, it's probably uh, the moment when she and Anakin are having that discussion about like, you know, uh, you know, our decisions cost lives. Doesn't that bother you? Of course it does. Um, I just, I love it because it really, it really reminds us of a line like that reminds us of little Annie from Phantom Menace, right? Mom, you said the biggest problem in the galaxy is nobody helps each other, right? Like, of course it bothers him that people are dying because of the choices he's made. Like that's still part of who he is. And also he's also become this heroic warrior knight. Like he's proud of who he was in the clone wars. Even if the war itself was a sham, he's still proud of what he did there. And he's proud of what he did with Ahsoka. Um, and, and I appreciate that kind of sensibility because, right. I think, uh, I mean, one of the overarching over one to me, the only big overarching flaw to the prequel trilogy is we just don't get enough of Anakin being a character to really, really cheer for. I mean, I, I mean, he's a little boy in Phantom Menace, and then he's just like kind of a a bratty, whiny teenager, and he has no friendship from perspective in a way with with Obi Wan and Attack of the Clones. So, Clone Wars did a lot of legwork to really flesh out the prequels era. Um, mm-hmm. And and so, in that said, though, like I I think a little moment like that is a reminder of also why I really like Anakin. Um, Uh, when he says to Ahsoka, you know, uh, we must adjust to the times. Like, I like that. That's also to me a very Qui-Gon-esque Jedi, right? Like we can't be so beholden to who we used to be or what we may even aspire to be. We have to be who we need to be right now. And, and Anakin really believes in that. Now, whether or not he's right or wrong is whatever, right? Like there's, that's kind of an up for debate question, but for Anakin, he really believes that it was the Jedi's role to lead during that, right? Like this is, probably the crappiest thing to happen in the history of the Republic, but aren't we fortunate that we can help lead in this conflict? Like, so he's really proud of what he did. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I appreciate that little exchange. Yeah. Well, no, said. It's, Thank it's you. all so, so good. <laughs> yeah. And Hayden's acting is just so good in that episode as well. Uh, oh, he was it, awesome. Yeah. He's always awesome. Yeah. Um, Oh, gosh, what a great oh, man. Love that print. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, all right. Well, let's let's move into your final print, Joe, that you well, final print from this release, at least uh, titled Thrawn's yes. Forces. Um, yeah, it's it's your last print, Joe. I, I, oh, all right. We're 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 breaking news here to you. Uh, uh, you're fired. Uh, no, I'm kidding. OK, <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I didn't even get a pink slip <laughs> on the rug out from under me. All right. Um, had a good run. But uh, so, again, Joe can ask you kind of a similar question to, to the previous two. Uh, you know, what was kind of the inspiration behind this print? Uh, I mean, I knew for a while that I wanted to do a Thrawn print. I really love Thrawn as a character. I was super excited that uh, uh, Lars, right? Lars Mickelson? Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. I always confuse the brothers. Um, I was super excited that he was actually going to be the on-screen uh, presence of Throne after being the voice in Rebels for so long. Uh, I think he looks amazing and looks the part and is uh, super menacing, even though he's he's such like a, a scaled back, refined Imperial officer. We obviously know his background as a combatant is also just as lethal. Um, yeah, I just really like Thrawn. Uh, Captain Enoch was an amazing looking trooper. I had to include him. I really loved Morgan Elsbeth's character. I thought she was mm-hmm. really, really cool. And, uh, I mean, Jason knows I love zombie troopers. So I, that, <laughs> I had to, as soon as that scene happened, I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do yet but I'm going to do a zombie trooper print. And it just, I was like, oh, well, it just came together, right? So Thrawn in the center, Enoch and Morgan kind of flanking him on either side. And then uh, just a, a a buttload of scary zombie uh, night troopers, I believe they're called. And uh, yeah, it's also a little bit of an homage to my very first print which was literally just rows and rows and rows and rows of clone troopers. I was like, let me just kind of do like a bad guy version of that. That'd be kind of neat. So that's, that's basically what the, the idea for this one was. It's, I even framed it very similarly to my celebration print, that, that mm. first one. Yeah. Yeah. And that I, was, that was Django's finest, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Um, Joe, I, I love asking this question because I know, and I, I've just for kind of forget the answer, but I also want to ask even just for our listeners, something that you often will do in some of your prints is you make a border, but then you have someone or a, an aspect of it outside the border. And obviously you chose to, you know, Thrawn is front and center in this mm-hmm. print. But, you know, within the border are those night troopers, as you insinuated, Captain Enoch's in there, um, you know, Morgan Elsbeth, now night sister Morgan Elsbeth. I mean, she's got the transformed face and she's holding the, the blade of Talzin. But Thrawn is outside uh, yes. of that. Um, why Why put Thrawn outside the border? I mean, I, I, I think you kind of already answered your own question in the sense that, like, Thrawn is the guy, right? He's, he's the most important person in, you know, in this entire image. You know, when you, when you break the panel borders, there are, you know... Not not rules, but there are kind of guidelines, like reasons to do it where it just is more effective, right? Like it's just more visually striking. So it kind of serves a couple of purposes, right? So if we're looking at uh, Thrawn compared to Enoch and Morgan, he's much closer to the camera. And in order to separate them, uh, it just kind of creates a little bit of a sense of depth, right? Like he's closer to the camera than the two of them are or any of the other troopers behind him. So it's, it's 
in one way it's a practical sense it just helps separate them and and create that sense i mean you know a lot of times when you have uh a scene you uh will see aspects of the background um you'll have your your foreground you know the area closest to the camera your middle ground and then your background your background is going to be the furthest elements from the camera and you know all of these things if you arrange them well uh will just create that spatial sense of depth so since this is literally just characters there's nothing but characters and the border right so i decided okay well why don't i use the border to help just kind of uh tell your brain when you're looking at it oh yeah these things are separated so the guy you know all the way in front of the border he's obviously going to be the closest thing to the camera he's the largest thing on the entire image so therefore he's the most important thing visually right um and yeah that's just kind of like comic book principles right and i mean one of the other reasons to break um the panel border would be for intensity or importance in general um, and again, Thrawn is super important. He's the most important thing here. So he's, he's going to break that border. Hmm. It's great. Jason, I got to ask you because, uh, especially after finishing up, you know, our Ahsoka series last week, I know how much you love Morgan Elizabeth. I mean, you loved her from her introduction in season two of Mando. Uh, yep. how, how excited were you that Joe put her in there and, and particularly in her night sister, uh, uh, incarnation? Uh, it, it's, uh, yes, that's all I can say. Yes. I, I'm very, very happy. Um, uh, it, it's, it's really awesome. Cause obviously it, it's nice to see her as a character, get to this ultimate point. This is, this is where she was headed this whole time. And we only figured out what it was here at the end. Um, so it's nice to see her sort of in her ultimate form, if you will, uh, her final and, boss form. Yes, yes, her <laughs> final boss form. Uh, and like I said when we had our episode uh, last week about the finale, that duel between Morgan and Ahsoka is my is is up there for my favorite in the series. That and the first one between Ahsoka and Balin, um, pretty darn close. So having her uh, in this print as night sister with the blade of Talzin uh, on her hip is it's mwah, chef's kiss. It's just the, the icing on the cake for me. And of all of these prints, Joe, uh, if I could only buy one, it would be this one. And uh-huh. you'll probably you. see me make a purchase of this in the next few weeks. I got uh, a few other things I got to buy first, but yeah, this one is definitely going to be in my collection. Oh, well, thank you, man. I appreciate so. that. Yeah, I was I was very excited that they got their rematch, the two of them. And like, oh. man, that that moment when when she uh, went Super Saiyan uh, Night Sister, I was just like, <laughs> oh, this is Super Saiyan. This is wonderful. <laughs> like, I was so excited when that scene happened. Yeah, oh, it was so good. Now, yeah. now, Joe, I do have to ask about the print itself here. Sure. Um, how much fun did you have? making each of the zombie troopers totally unique. Yeah. So uh, I'll peel back the curtain a little bit on this one. I literally drew one entire stormtrooper, like completely top to bottom, uh, because I wasn't totally sure once I arranged them, how much of like 
so for example, the, the the bottom row of stormtroopers that are aligned with Thrawn's neck and 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 head. Um, when I first put them there, I wasn't sure how much of them you might see behind Captain Enoch or Morgan or as the rows went up, I wasn't sure if you were going to see any space or anything um, behind anybody else. So what I did was, like I said, I drew one entire stormtrooper, top to bottom, head to toe, totally shaded it, and it was just a standard stormtrooper. I then put the glowing eyes on him, and then I copied and pasted him, uh, uh, I don't know, 20 times or whatever, however many, end up maybe 25, um, and just, you know, arrange them in rows. And once I had every stormtrooper in place, I was sure exactly how, you know, where everything was going to go. I then created uh, a new set of layers on top of everything and just drew each crack and each imperfection and each gold line and all that stuff separately. And as you may have surmised, that was probably the most fun part of the entire print is making each one unique. And, um, you know, I would I would pause the uh, the episode and I would look at certain stormtroopers. So each one of these is a stormtrooper from from the episode. And I wanted awesome. to make sure that like I they were as um, as true to the episode as I could get them. So. Any of them that have, you know, each configuration, each helmet and like the, the crimson bandages or whatever, like those that all of that stuff corresponds to a specific trooper from the episode. So I tried very hard to, you know, make sure each one of those individual troopers were were well represented. So it was awesome. It was so much fun, dude. It's I love drawing troopers. There's, there's no secret there. <laughs> well, they turned out great. And I, that was going to be my follow-up is are, are each of these unique troopers from the show itself? And you answered that question already. Yes, so uh, yeah, that's awesome. Thanks man. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Um, well, I guess my, my question for, for the class then um, with you <laughs> <laughs> looking at your last print here, Joe, um, what did each of you, you know, what do we all think of Thrawn's reappearance here now in Ahsoka? Obviously, right, he's been brought back into canon by Timothy Zahn. Um, well, no, no, actually, that's right. He was brought back. He was brought back into canon by Filoni in Rebels, and then Zahn right. did his subsequent two trilogies. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, uh, what did you guys think, Jason? I'm going to start with you. What? How did you feel about Thrawn's reemergence? in the Ahsoka series. Well, getting him in live action like this was really cool. And it's, it's great. You know, it's great having Lars Mikkelsen, you know, portraying Thrawn because it it gives us that continuity between rebels and the live action with, you know, it's the same exact voice. So that smooths out any sort of like disconnect between uh, what we had in the animation versus what we're getting in live action plus thrawn has just been a character that's been in star wars lore since the early 90s with 91 uh with the heir to the empire so it's it's mind-boggling that we have finally gotten him in live action so that being said i think the way they did it here uh with the story that they're telling now fantastic um i i'm as much fun as I had with all of this and all the cool goodies that we got with the Night Sisters 
on Peridia and just the, the fanatic troopers that are at his command at this point um, are, are so amazing. But the one thing I'm just, I'm dying to see is to see Grand Admiral Thrawn and Captain Pelion share the screen at the same time. Um, that's something that I cannot wait to happen. And I we'll get it. I know we're going to get it because Pelion was in uh, Mandalorian season three. So uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm excited about. Uh, and, and I love, I love how they did it, how they pulled it off in, in Ahsoka, but I'm looking, I'm looking away to the future, you know, to the horizon, never my mind. No, no. Um, but, uh, and I, I want Pelion and Thrawn together on screen. Uh, because you know Pelion's my boy. <laughs> yeah, I know you love him. He he's the OG Captain Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> oh man. Um, well, being that it's your print, Joe, I'm gonna let you answer last. So I'll go next. And um, <laughs> I think uh, I, I mean, kind of. You already made this point uh, a moment ago, Joe, but. Uh, it was really great just having Lars Mikkelsen get to be in the role of Thrawn. I think he looks great. He obviously sounds perfect because it's the same voice. Um, I also love, uh, and this is just a little detail in the show, I love how his fancy Grand Admiral uniform actually has a couple of holes in it. Like it, I mean, it just shows yeah. like he's obviously, you know, uh, gone through a couple of things out here in the uh, the unknown regions and uh, his his outfit is a little bit, uh, worse for wear. Um, that said, I think this has been my critique of Thrawn in Filoni's hands ever since he was brought back into Rebels. Um, is that it feels like Filoni only knows the Thrawn from the Heir to the Empire trilogy, which is he's just kind of a fanatic military mastermind. There's, I mean, again, Jason, right? Like we did, we did a look back at the original Thrawn trilogy um, just last year. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I know a lot of people fell in love with Thrawn in 91. I never liked him when I first read those books and I still don't particularly like him now. Cause he's to me just very one dimensional. Like he's just really smart and I don't find him particularly a compelling or cool villain. I also, I mean, in star Wars villains, I want them to be like creepy Sith and like dark magic. Like that stuff's cool to me. <laughs> um, so that's just a personal preference, but I think something that Timothy Zahn has done very brilliantly with Thrawn in both the the Chiss Ascendancy trilogy as well as his other Thrawn trilogy, which is kind of interspersed in the timeline of Rebels, is he makes Thrawn a somewhat sympathetic character. Um, like he's so, he, specifically in the Ascendancy trilogy. I mean, I love that trilogy so much. Um, and Thrawn is somebody who seems to actually have something he cares about. Like he really cares about the Chiss Ascendancy. He really cares about some of his friends in the Chiss ascendancy, but the Thrawn that Filoni always gives us is nothing but like a fanatic military mastermind. Like there's, there's nothing there. That's like he, I mean, he just, he has no problems killing people. He doesn't mind sacrificing people. That's not the Thrawn that Timothy Zahn writes anymore. Um, so I just still have a problem with that disconnect. That said, the one thing I really enjoyed though, in um, the final episode of the, of the show, or maybe it's in the second to last episode um, when Thrawn kind of, we talked about this just last week, Jason, but like when Thrawn says to Morgan, you know, these particular stormtroopers that volunteer to stay behind, knowing that they're literally staying behind to, to sacrifice their lives. She's like, they were will, they were immediately willing to do this for you. Right. So I at least appreciate that in the Ahsoka series, 
we get a glimpse into the fact that Thrawn is really well loved by his uh, by his troops. Um, and we do get mm-hmm. like glimpses as to why, even in the Ahsoka show, like there's the when the TIE fighters are destroyed by Sabine um, at the beginning of the final episode, you know, uh, Thrawn says, you know, mark them for commendation and promote their officer. Right. Like like he everything that his troops do for him, he rewards. Right. He's kind of the and this was something that actually Zahn gave us in the original Heir to the Empire book is. Uh, Thrawn kind of sees himself as the opposite of Vader when his when his soldiers mess up rather than kill them Mm -hmm. (laughs) he gives them the opportunity to get better Um, so I liked that little bit at least in Ahsoka where it seems like okay well there is something about Thrawn um, that makes people loyal to him and also you know I made this point as well he says to Morgan, when she, you know, obviously is going to stay behind with his troops, he says, you know, for the for the protection and the greater good of our galaxy, um, which, again, does loosely to me tie into the Thrawn that Zahn gives us in his latest trilogies, which is uh, a Thrawn who is very wary of these outside enemies in the unknown regions. And he wants the only reason he's backing the Empire is because he sees them as a way of keeping their galaxy safe. Um, so at least had that that little bit. OK. I've talked a lot. I'm sorry. Joe, what did you no, think? <laughs> what did you think about uh, Thrawn's return here in Ahsoka? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, for the most part, you guys nailed it for me. That's, uh, that's a tough act to follow in terms of uh, the way you described it. Yeah, I, he was awesome, right? Like it was the performance was there. He was already familiar with the character. He has an amazing screen presence. He was menacing and intimidating and charismatic and and you just wanted to see more. Um, I think really my only, I don't want to say disappointment, but I guess what I was surprised with was just how little the story moved once we got to that other galaxy. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely not a complaint of mine, but on paper, if I were to read the synopsis for season one of Ahsoka, I would read it and be like, Oh, cool. This is like half the season, right? It just moved a little bit slow in terms of the story for me. Like I said, especially once we got to that galaxy. So like, I do feel like we didn't see enough of him, but at the same time, I think that's a good thing that I feel that way because what was there was awesome and I loved it and I want more and I want season two. And obviously there will be a season two. Even before they announced that there was a season two, we kind of knew there's going to be a season two the way. Like, everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, it's, I, he was incredible. He was everything I wanted him to be. And I agree. Like, I do kind of hope we see more to his character, you know, n- not just this, you know, brilliant military strategist and, and this uh, imperial officer trying to bring back the glory days of the empire. There's, there's more to that character than just those things. Like you said, um, He's also a uh, very capable combatant, right? I'd love to see him kick some butt. Even if it's not, if if (laughs) Lars Mikkelsen isn't up to it, like, okay, fine, let's get a stunt double, no problem. Um, I want to see Thrawn throw down. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, he has a great fight with Kallus in Rebels. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. We saw him training against his his dark troopers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. you know, in rebels too. So yeah, that would be, that would be cool. Um, yeah, I, I'm glad 
they, they had to walk a fine line because they obviously have a lot of plans for yeah. Thrawn yeah. Uh, in future stories. So they had to walk a line as to how much are we going to, to telegraph here? Um, you know, the, the whole point of, of him being here is to get him back to our galaxy. Right. Um, and uh, we kind of hint at some of his greater plans but that's about it. So yeah. I think it is definitely better of, you know, leave them wanting more uh, yeah, with sure. him at this point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was really cool to see him. And I, I, I now cannot because of, of his appearance in Rebels and his appearance here in, in Ahsoka. I cannot think of Thrawn without hearing his music. So mm. I just want to put that out there. Little organ. Yeah, yeah, it is really cool. It's I'm convinced it's Captain Enoch follows him around and just has a little, little tiny <laughs> organ. You never see his hands. That guy, we never see that guy's hands. He's playing a little baby organ. <laughs> oh, oh man! I, I I now have this this image of of a stormtrooper sitting at a massive pipe organ somewhere in this in the star destroyer. He's just always playing the theme, and it's piped, <laughs> and the music is piped through the Star Destroyer, through the Chimera, uh, whenever Thrawn is out of his office. Yeah. So <laughs> and he's just like, man, I wish this guy would learn a new song. We've been here for, <laughs> been here for like thirty years or however long it's been. <laughs> guy didn't oh, open a single sheet music book to learn a new song, just the one. Well. they they didn't expect to leave. He he left it all in his bunk back on. Uh, that that was on the planet not in the ship exactly. so well exactly it's kind of <laughs> neat to think in retro it's, it's i don't know you something about what you were saying jason so all of these guys were on that star destroyer in rebels yeah and enoch was on that star destroyer in rebels now that i think about it like i wonder what enoch was like before he was a golden weirdo <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, I, and you know, the, the, the thing I, I, I like about all of it is they all started out as just rank and file stormtroopers. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now they're fanatics mm-hmm. and yeah. scary as hell. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I I particularly. So to me, Captain Enoch also goes down in the history of Star Wars characters that look awesome and do nothing all the way, you know, <laughs> link that all the way back to Boba Fett in the original trilogy. Yeah. Looked great, did nothing. Captain Phasma, the, the Emperor's yep. Royal Guards, and now Captain Enoch. He, he, he's joining a great uh, battalion of Star Wars characters that look great, do nothing. Um, I'm, but, I'm really hoping he, he is yeah. like he gets his moment. Yeah, I hope so, too, in, in season, season two. two. Um, but I, I immediately liked him just because the actor that plays him, Wes Chatham, plays Amos, who's my favorite character in the Expanse <laughs> series. So uh, he's so good in the Expanse. Um, and when he first shared before the season started that he was going to be Thrawn's right hand man, my initial hope was that he was going to play Eli Vanto, which is uh, a great character from Zahn's, Zahn's uh, first Thrawn trilogy in the new canon. Um, Eli is somebody who's taken under Thrawn's wing. But then I was like, oh, wait. Eli is also more of like he's more of like a naval officer. He's not particularly a stormtrooper. 
Um, but yeah, that's a great point, Jason, though, about the fact that Enoch was on that Star Destroyer too. So, um, who is he? Where is he coming from? I don't know that we'll get that information, but that is cool to think about. But yeah, because he's played by Wes Chatham, I just want to see more. And Wes Chatham as Amos in the expanse does some really great physical stuff. So, um, so yeah, he's, he's certainly a capable, capable of, of doing stuff like that. Um, so anywho, yeah, uh, man, Joe, thanks so much for, for coming on and, and, and talking up these prints and just talking some Bad Batch and Thro- uh, Ahsoka with us. Uh, I mean, my pleasure. You guys basically let me come on and have a commercial for my artwork <laughs> for an hour and a half. It's, it's amazing. I love talking about this stuff. I love talking about the, um, you know, the, the thought that I put behind these things, because contrary to popular belief, I do think about these things as I'm doing them and not just parting stuff onto uh, an image. Um, but yeah, it's always super fun to talk about the process. I appreciate you guys, you know, sharing the love and, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. You guys are awesome. Absolutely. Yes. Contrary to popular belief, Joe does have a brain. I um, mean, somewhere in there. <laughs> the MRI says so, but I don't know. <laughs> Anecdotal evidence says otherwise. Oh, you're too hard. You're you're too self-deprecating, Joe. Just uh, <laughs> oh, you're so good. You're Part so good. So, uh, yeah. so Joe, <laughs> if people want to check out these prints and and purchase them, uh, where can they find them? Uh, yeah, that's a, a probably a good question to answer for me. Um. So it's available uh, through Acme Archives, LTD. So you can either Google Acme Archives and go to their website, or you can go to darkinkart.com. That's the sister site of Acme, and you can purchase prints from there. Um, So Acme's main site has a lot more, um, like, fine art stuff and canvas prints, but if you're just looking for uh, kind of the... High quality print, but not super break the bank expensive. You're going to want to go to darkinkart.com and uh, just search my name. All three prints are new, so they should still be on the front page as of the time of this recording. Um, uh, yeah, otherwise, just hit the search search bar, Joe Hogan. And uh, yeah, everything, everything I've done for them other than these three will also be there. So you can pick it up. The only thing that uh, is a little bit of a downside is that because... They are based out of California. I am unable to hand sign these. They hand number them for me, uh, but I do not get to sign these because they ship directly from the printer out of California straight to you. Um, but what was really cool was last week I was actually invited by Acme uh, with my fiance Tina Kiri and one of my best friends, Christy, who both also happen to be Star Wars artists. We got to go to the Epcot Festival of the Arts and we signed any of the prints that were purchased while we were there during those uh, the, the days we were there and got to meet a lot of you guys. And everybody who came by was super amazing and nice. And some of you actually brought your prints that you had already purchased from Acme or Dark Inc. Uh, specifically so that I could sign them. And I was so flattered by that. And um, it was just an amazing experience getting to meet you. And yeah, it was it was it was awesome. I, I had a great time last week, and I appreciate everybody who came out. I appreciate everybody who picked up a print, whether it was at Epcot or through Dark Inc. or Acme or Star Wars Celebration or whatever. Uh, I love you guys, and I would not be able to do what I do 
uh, without the support of people who enjoy my work. So genuinely, thank you. Thank you so much. And Carl and Jason, again, thank you guys for uh, giving me a little moment to pat myself on the back because I don't usually pat myself on the back. So it was cool to really kind of go back and think about and remember this stuff. Um, one of the silly things about this that's a little frustrating is that we do these prints so far in advance that then we have to be quiet about it. We can't show it <laughs> because, you know, we have to wait until it's actually released. So I did these prints months ago, like at the end of last year. I obviously did the Ahsoka prints as the episodes premiered. And um, Bad Batch I, ha I was working on, I think, in uh, August, maybe August, September. So they just debuted less than two weeks ago. And now I can finally talk about them. And it's it's been very fun remembering uh the uh the process along the way so again thank you guys for the opportunity it was uh had a blast it was our pleasure so what you're saying is is you're already working on the next one got it i, I actually um, am i'm i'm working <laughs> on dude i was so inspired all of us were so inspired about like how enthusiastic people were about our work when we got to meet them in epcot that i came home and i planned out so far seven prints that I will, I'm hoping that will all come out within the next year. But my goal is to do um, one new print between now and December so that uh, next year at the Epcot Festival of the Arts, I'm going to have another 10 new prints. But I don't know if that's realistic or not, but that's what I would like to do. That's my goal. That's my like, big goal for the year is I want to do 10 new Star Wars prints. So, but we'll see how many of them get me because Lucasfilm or Acme could look at them and be like, uh, yeah, no, no, thanks. <laughs> <We'll see. laughs> but yes, you're, you're absolutely right, Jason. There's uh, there's not enough gibberish Oribesh in this. No good. Correct. <laughs> we don't know why this says Wampas Lair on the back in Oribesh, but get rid of it. <laughs> it's rubbish. Oh, man. Yeah. No, as always, Joe, I mean, it's always such a it's always so fun having you on the show. So ma thanks for making the time to come on and, and talk about these incredible prints. Yeah, of course. It's my pleasure. You guys you guys are doing me the favor. So thank you. guys. Seriously. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh Carl, if people want to get in touch with us, uh, where can they find us on the interwebs? Yeah, well, um, you know, our our main platform for, for interacting lately has been Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram at The Wampas Lair. Uh, you can always follow us on Twitter at Wampas Lair or shoot us an email at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you enjoyed today's episode, if you enjoy the show in general, we uh, would really appreciate, you know, uh, a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, you know, the, the more buzz around the show, the more people are likely to find us when they're looking for a Star Wars show. So if, if you enjoy the show, thank you for enjoying the show. Thank you for being part of our community. Uh, maybe uh, maybe just drop a review our way. We'd really appreciate it. Absolutely. And uh, we want to thank Joe Hogan for being on the show. Carl, Joe, anything, any final thoughts before we close this out? Um, I hope we get Balin on Tales of the Jedi Season 2. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Yes. I'm with you there. That's all I got for that, though. <laughs> Balin and Qui-Gon. Oh, That's yes. my pick. There we oh, go. Awesome. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up for this episode of The Womp. Lair podcast. This has been episode number 543, The Jedi, The Scoundrel, and The Artist. That's Joe Hogan. Uh, for Carl and Joe, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair. Wampa's Lair.